Welcome to Mahogany Moms Podcast. My name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm here to provide support and education on all things motherhood. Join me every other Wednesday for encouragement, inspiration, and information as we delve into health, mental and physical, education, money, and everything else that comes with this motherhood journey. Dr. Rochelle Whitaker with another episode of the Mahogany Moms Podcast. You can call me Dr. Shell. I am educational psychologist, maternal mental health therapist, and parenting coach. Hi moms. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to share that October is Infant and Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month. Statistically, one in four women will experience a miscarriage, so it happens more often than we discuss it. Our guest today will share her experience with loss. No two women's experience is the same. If you're a mom and you've experienced a loss and you'd like to have a safe space to talk about it, join us in the Mahogany Moms podcast Facebook group. It's a private group and it's a safe space to talk about those things that sometimes we find taboo. Again, I'll drop the link in the show notes. Now, let's get to the show. We have an exciting guest with us today, Shay Bynes. She is also known as the Chief Fire Igniter. She is a passionate storyteller. She's also a wife and a mom. And so you all help me welcome Shay to the podcast. Hi, Shay. How's it going? <laughs> Good to be here. Glad to have you. So tell us more about you. Um, tell us more about who you are. Sure. So first of all, I'm a native Floridian. So I've born and raised here. The only years I have not been in Florida were three winters in Connecticut after I left college. <laughs> well, I didn't know you were from, I didn't know you were a native to Florida. I'm a native Floridian, born in Orlando, grew up in Jacksonville and Fort Lauderdale area, went to college in Tampa, you know, left for those three winters and then brought my happy little tail <laughs> back to Florida. And we have been in Fort Lauderdale ever since. <laughs> that warm weather I gotta have yes ocean water and like water and sunshine are my healthy addictions okay for sure I have been married for 21 years to my high school sweetie we met when we were 16 years old and started dating in junior year in high school we have three daughters uh, ranging from toddler to recent college grad so they are almost four almost 13 and almost 20 (laughs) birthdays around the corner I basically, I guess you could say I'm a corporate America dropout. God just really kind of shoved me out of corporate America back in 2010. I've been a biz, I was always a business owner on the side in the midst of my working corporate, but I left for full-time entrepreneurship in 2010. A series of divine, the most beautiful divine interruptions in my life led to me being a co-founder of a movement, an organization, if you want to call it, called Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur where our focus is inspire, teach, and mentor Christians who are in business to do business in partnership with God so they can have a greater kingdom impact in the marketplace through the work that they do. So I've been doing that for since 2012. And so that's been an absolutely amazing ride. And so these days I'm writing, teaching, speaking, doing the things. <laughs> awesome. And so that's how I actually learned about you and got to know you. That's right. KDE. And then you were my mentor. Yes, so- I was. That, I'm like, yes, we're going, we're going, we go way back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We go back to 2016. Yes. And so I'm so excited to have you on the show and to, but we're going to be talking about something different that a lot of people don't get to hear from you a lot about. And so that is your whole, kind of like your path to motherhood. So tell us what that looks like or what, what that experience was like. 
Well, Phil and I got married in 1999 and about nine months after we got married, we were young when we got married, 20, what, 22, 23, something like that. Wow. Nine months after we'd been married, I get pregnant. And most people are super excited when they get pregnant. I cried <laughs> because it was not my plan. My plan was work for five years, go up the corporate ladder, then have the first child, you know? So I was really surprised. Uh, I don't know why I was surprised, but you know, I was surprised. <laughs> you <laughs> you do what you do, right? <laughs> you know, so I was really surprised. It took me a little minute, you know, to just kind of, I, I felt like I wasn't ready to be a mom yet and, you know, all of those things. But my family, Phil and my family were just so excited that eventually their excitement uh, rubbed off, rubbed off on me. And of course, during the pregnancy, I just fell in love with the baby I hadn't met yet, you know? And so early motherhood was, was a little bit challenging, you know, cause I really felt ill-equipped, you know, to be a parent, but I've always been the mature one in my family. They called me the old soul. So, you know, just kind of, you know, thanks to the grace of God, we just kind of worked our way through it. My husband's the oldest of like seven. And so oh, he knew wow. how to do, he knew, he knew babies. He knew how to do babies. I'm the baby of the family. I'm the youngest of three. He's the oldest of seven. So <laughs> between the two of us, we figured it out. And I was like, Y'all were, that was a good combination. Yes, it really was. It really was. So he wasn't at all, you know, intimidated mm -hmm. by having a baby at that age, whereas I was. But she, I, mean, I think it's just the grace of God that she was just really the easiest baby, the easiest child. She's still to this day out of my three is my easiest, easiest child to parent, you know? And so I guess the blessing of having an easy child made it really easy to have the next one <laughs> and the next one, you know? But my kids, as you heard, are super far apart that the only one out of the three that the timing was planned for that was my middle child. Uh, Malia was, she's the baby. She was completely like the Lord just would not stop talking to us about another child. I thought I was done having children. So wow. that was a child we had out of obedience. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I'm done. I'm not doing I was that. Done. I was done. I was done. So she's only, so she's a surprise from that perspective. Surprised because I thought I was done, but you know, I'm, I live a lifestyle of yes to God. And so when he wouldn't stop messing with me about it, I said, okay, there must be, a, you have a plan and a purpose for this child and for me and my husband and our family in the midst of this thing. So we'll do this one more time. <laughs> wow. So you had the oldest you had, and you were like, I am not ready for her, which I think is something good to kind of take pause of because a lot of times women are expected to be happy with when they become pregnant. And that's just not the case every time. I really wasn't. I cried. I boohoo. I legit boohoo cried. <laughs> I looked at the pregnancy test and I boohoo cried. Yep. And I feel no shame about it. It's just the truth anyhow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's just know. So even, even when you're not happy, it can still turn out well. <laughs> yeah, it turned out great, you know? And I actually, and I wasn't, and again, I wasn't sad for long, right? I just mm -hmm. had really had to just kind of resolve in my heart that, you know, God's got this, we can do it, you know? And we'll be okay, you know, and we were, we were more than okay, you know, and so, but it's just what, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And when you were the, when you're the personality type, like I was, which was so driven, so, you know, so goal oriented. And I had particular plans for particular timeframes and all that stuff. This honestly was the first time in my life that there was a serious interruption from what I considered to be my plan, you know, everything else up until that time, you know, in my life, I'd planned it. 
And, you know, I scheduled it, I planned it and I went and I achieved it. So this was the first time that I was like, whoa, wait a second. What is this? This wasn't in the plan. <laughs> so God was preparing you even then like, oh, Listen. let's get ready. Right, right. You know, but you know, parenting has been amazing. And Malia, I'll fast forward a bit. Malia, I mean, I, she was my 40th birthday gift, right? I had, I had her, I gave birth to her five days after my 40th birthday. And my childbirth experience with her was amazing. I had a supernatural childbirth. I mean, I'm talking about couldn't feel a thing. I, I, I wrote, a, I, I include the story in a book. It was, it was that wild. It was just one of those things where it was like, I was in some kind of grace bubble of some sort or something. It's like, I was there, but I wasn't there. And I had a supernatural childbirth, birth, meaning I felt no pain. I didn't even feel the contractions. I'm in that bed. I didn't feel a thing. And then all of a sudden I kind of opened my eyes and I'm like, I told my friend who was at the end of my bed, the baby's coming one push. And then I, there was a baby on my chest. Like it was the wildest, <laughs> it was the wildest experience. Wow. So I've read, I've read your story and I also had that book, Supernatural Childbirth. Yes. Many years before. And so, you know, you read a book and you're like, okay, are they like exaggerating or embellishing? Right. I read your story and I, and I was like, well, I know Shay. So this has to be what really happened. And I was just like, amazed. I, I was amazed, but I really <laughs> felt like, you know, but it's one of those things where it's not ever since it wasn't something that I ever even knew was possible. Like I didn't have a, a, a frame of reference for it until a friend of mine said that his wife had had two supernatural childbirths. And he said, if you ever get pregnant, I'm going to send you a copy of this book. And so he did when I got pregnant and I read through it and I just felt like God was inviting me to just believe him for some, for something that seems so crazy to me, you know, mm -hmm. seems so crazy. It was just like an invitation. I'm like, all right, worst case scenario is I have pain. Like I did with the other two. <laughs> I'll embrace this invitation and believe you for this. You know, it was just really wild. Yeah. So I encourage um, any mom to, I'm trying to remember, Shay, help me. What book was that in? It's called, it's called Supernatural Childbirth. And I'm looking up the name of the woman who wrote it right now, because it is completely escaping me. One second. It's going to take me two seconds. Supernatural Childbirth. Well, what's your book that you included the story in? That my story is in my book, Grace Over Grind, How Grace Will Take Your Business Where Grinding Can't. And Supernatural Childbirth is by Jackie Mize. Yes, yes. Okay. So moms, if you're listening, check out both of those books. So Shay tells her story in Grace Over Grind. Right. It's a book for business, for kingdom driven entrepreneurs, or yes. it's a business book, but she talks, she compares the two or is it? Yes. Well, he turned it into an example. Like he took this supernatural childbirth story and then made it apply. Like, this is what it's like to labor work labor in my rest and with my favor like this is the type of super, those exceeding abundantly above all you could ask think, or even imagine like this is what's possible with me and that's what he wanted me to share in that story and relate that to working in mm -hmm. business with him so check out her book to hear more about that story and then you can also learn more about supernatural childbirth in the book by Katie Jackie Mize. Jackie Mize. okay that's right but I wanted to ask you, and so this is so funny, or not funny, but I saw a post that you did. So I didn't know this until you shared it on Facebook, that you had experienced a miscarriage. And it's yes. one of those things that women often don't discuss. But when I asked you, hey, will you come and talk about it? You were like, yes. Yeah. So let's talk about when that, when did that happen between which one of your girls? So this was after I had Nia. So Nia, who's my middle child, was born in 2008. 
right? I'm trying to get all these days. I got all these kids. <laughs> and so the miscarriage happened in 2010. And what's interesting, what's notable about the timing of my miscarriage was that, remember I said that I was, that I was, a, I'm a corporate America escapee, like I, you know, what happened was the Lord had been talking to me a lot about the fact that I was going to be leaving my corporate career. It's something he spoke to me in January, 2009. He said in the next 18 months, by in the next 18 months, you're going to leave this job. So imagine it's now like February, March, 2010. And I'm thinking, God said I was leaving my my job, but I'm pregnant and I'm not leaving my job while I'm pregnant. I mean, that doesn't even make any sense to me, right? So I remember, so it was, it was one of those things that when I got pregnant, it was like when I got pregnant with Anissa, I cried. It was a surprise. I wasn't trying to have, I was not trying to have babies. I, I was, we weren't working on it, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I was even on birth control. I got pregnant, right? So she wasn't, th th that, that pregnancy was a complete surprise. And it also happened to be at a really rather inconvenient and I'm just going to say inconvenient time, right? It just didn't make sense to me. It wasn't, it was a complete surprise. And so after I, so I cried, I cried, but much faster. <laughs> I was like, but you know what? Every every child's a blessing. It's going to be great. This is a surprise, you know, but Hey, whatever. I'll just stay in my corporate job. We'll have the baby and just, we'll see where things go from here. So how long did it take you between being upset about it to, to saying, okay, no, it'll, it'll be fine. How, what was that? That was probably about a week. Oh, a week. Okay. Yeah. It didn't take long because I mean, ultimately it's like we, we had, it's not, there was nothing. It was only inconvenient from the perspective that it was a shock and I was planning to leave my corporate career. And so it was just like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't fit into the, you know, Your plan. <laughs> this doesn't fit into my plan. It's the second, it was like, this is not fitting into my plan, you know? So it was only inconvenient from that perspective. I mean, we, we were making plenty of money, like they're, they're taking care of a child was not going to be a big deal at all. Like none of those things were out of order. Okay. So it didn't take long to just kind of have proper perspective, which is that this child is going to be a blessing to the family and we're excited about it. And we look forward to this, but fast forward a number of weeks, I guess, seven weeks or so when I went to the doctor, they couldn't find a heartbeat. Mm. And, and, and so they couldn't find a heartbeat. And the, and the nurse had said, or the, no, my, uh, the doctor had said, I'm going to give you a, um, I don't know what it's called, but just some kind of pill or some kind of whatever, because you need to, and she goes, and you're going to have some contractions, but you know, but we've got to get the baby out and this will be a smooth process. If anything happens, you're going to have to come back and we're going to have to kind of clean that up. I don't mean to be graphic, but it's just what she said. And so, I, I mean, in my, dis I mean, I'm just, I'm literally sitting here just like, I can't even believe this is happening. You know, I, I was upset and then I was excited and now I'm sitting here and she's telling me my baby doesn't have a heartbeat, you know? And so I take this, I go home and I, and I you know, get my prescription for this thing and I take it. And now I didn't, know, I, I didn't fully know what to expect. She did say I was going to have some contractions, but you know, you know, that's all she had kind of warned me of, but here I am at home. My husband is at work. My oldest daughter was with me. And then my middle, who was just a baby at that time was with me. And I start having these pains and they wait, were, so, yeah, wait, go ahead. So she sent you home 
to take the medication, did she give you any kind of pain medication? Did she say, wait for your husband? She didn't say, wait for your husband. She didn't like, she didn't give me a sense of a timeline. So I really didn't know what to expect there. And I, and she didn't prescribe anything for pain because the way she sounded, it didn't sound like it was going to be that painful. You know, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like more cramp. It was more like cramps. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm expecting cramps. I've had really bad cramps before. So I'm thinking cramps, you know, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. But what it was, was very painful. And so, and I was scared and I was broken, you know, like what is happening? Where's my, I can't call my husband. He's a massage therapist. He's in a massage session. I can't just like reach him right now. And uh, I'm boohoo crying. And my oldest child is sitting there looking like what's wrong, mom. And she can't help me. The baby's sitting there trying to give me a snack, you know, trying to help, let me give you a cookie, you know, cause clearly you're upset. So here's a cookie mommy, you know, just as sweet as she can be. And I'm weeping and I had to go through that by myself. And it was awful. It was absolutely awful. I called a friend of mine who's a nurse, the same nurse that was with me that I mentioned in the at, from the supernatural childbirth. And I called her and she just happened to pick up the phone, even though she never picks up the phone. It was like a God moment. And she had just left work and she immediately came over and sat with me and all of that. But it was, it was really one of the worst days of my life. It really was. And to make matters worse, after the whole thing happened, it's like I'm sitting there and this is, this is hard to say, and it's kind of graphic, but the worst part, Rochelle, of the whole thing is that when my husband got home and we're sitting here trying to think of like, what do we do? Cause essentially we have our baby in a trash, like in a trash bag. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what do I do with this baby? Because that's what happens. You know, you have cramps, all that stuff. What I have my baby in a trash bag. Mm-hmm. I couldn't throw it away. I didn't know what I knew I couldn't keep it. Mm-hmm. I knew I could, I, I knew I had to throw it away, but I couldn't throw it away. It was the absolute worst. It was like just having the worst pit in your stomach that you're like, that's my child, you know? And so those were some of the worst, worst days. But I'll tell you what, God in his grace, because he healed that broken part of me relatively quickly to the point where it was like, I didn't feel the, I didn't feel that deep sorrow from it, like that hole that you can feel. And I, I've talked to, you know, friends who've had miscarriages who for years carry this, like this hole in their heart or just like this burden or this just deep, deep, like pain and trauma from it. But God released like the trauma from it, this, all of that, um, over the next few months, but there was a grieving process, you know, that was part of that. But that's my story. I mean, I, it sucked. And the, the thing about that is to me, like the doctor could have given you more instruction, more, more of what to expect. Yes. Maybe she hadn't experienced it herself. And so maybe she didn't know, but even with that, so, you know, I'm giving you medicine that's going to make your uterus contract. So that's similar to labor. So you need some kind of medication and then to say, well, maybe you should wait. So you can get home. I mean, so your husband is at home. So you're comfortable till, you know, somebody can watch your girls or even questions to ask, like, where are your, you know, where are your daughters? Like, don't do this. I'm there was t- none of that. And so because it was so kind of laid back, mm-hmm. I didn't sense any 
right. thing to be concerned about, if that makes sense. I didn't have any, I didn't know to ask, right. you know, certain questions or whatever. And frankly, I gave birth to my, my oldest daughter uh, completely naturally without any painkillers or a, an epidural or whatever. So I'm like, if I've gone through childbirth, right. if she says cramps, I'm gonna be okay, <laughs> right? But it just caught me off, it caught me off guard. You know, I didn't expect labor level pains in the midst of losing my child. That was not on my, that was not in the realm of possibilities in my head. And I go back and it's funny that you had said that as like, yeah, I mean, there really, there wasn't the the expectation setting Mm -hmm. wasn't quite there, which is kind of what led to that. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, spend any time thinking about blaming her or anything like that, but it's like. But yeah, that's kind of the setup that made what happened possible, right? right. It's just, I didn't have any sense of uh, concern or about what was going to take place. Right. And so the, even the fact that she didn't tell you what to do with um, the baby, like, so, and, and the reason why I, I, I have like firsthand experience with this myself. And, and so it's, I have come to the conclusion and I know this doesn't happen to every woman, every woman, that every woman does not have a miscarriage. So I mm-hmm. have come to the conclusion that women that are giving you these instructions just haven't experienced it for themselves. She couldn't have. Right. <laughs> I mean, she could not have experienced what I experienced before. Mm-hmm. Like, even if she had had a miscarriage, she had not had a miscarriage in that particular way before. Mm-hmm. Right. Because people have miscarriages that look different, you know. Right that work different ways, but she certainly hadn't had a miscarriage in from that way. Otherwise she would have, I can't imagine that she would have, obviously I don't know, but I can't imagine that she would have. And our conversation have been what our conversation was. Right. And so I think one of the, 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 the things about your story is that you, you were released from that the, I'd say it's the heaviness of miscarriage because I've talked to women and work with women for, just like you said, who for years have years. carried it and still carry it to this day, that loss. And some of them, the, 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 it wasn't in a traumatic fashion. So like what you experienced to me was traumatic. It was. Uh, whereas some of them, it wasn't as traumatic in the sense of the labor, being alone, but they still carry that heaviness. So that is truly a blessing that you were released from it. Seriously. It really, it really is. And I realize that more and more with every person I talk to who is still suffering from that loss or multiple losses, you mm-hmm. know, um, I, I know many people who have had four or five mm-hmm. miscarriages, right? And so that's tough. And at different stages, I mean, you know, I'm not one of those, let's compare, hey, let's compare the trauma of our miscarriages. Well, yours happened in the second trimester or yours happened, you know, I don't like to do that. But, but the reality is, is that somebody who is like, they're past that timing of when the miscarriages typically happen, the level of trauma that they must experience having it to be so late in the game when they've already, they're already thinking about the room, they're already doing all of those things. The level of trauma has to be massive for them. I have a friend who they had to, I mean, she was far enough along that they buried the baby, right? And so it's like, you know, but I know, I know God is a healer, you know, and every, and 
every way that you can possibly imagine. He heals emotions, he heals hearts, he heals body, physical bodies, you know, and just, and he's just so good. He's just so good to do that. And I would have been happy to walk through some kind of process if that was what I needed to walk through. But God just really released it in such a, just such a wonderful way that I don't, I don't feel it. Even telling this, telling the story, the graphic aspect of the story is hard to tell, but I don't feel it, if that makes sense. So that I don't you, have to mourn it again. Right. So that's the indication that you are truly healed, right? Yeah. Because a lot of these emotions though, that would that would leave us to believe there was some unresolved there. Yeah. So, yeah. I was worried. I was a little worried. I was like, because because I wasn't like, sure. I've never done this before. So <laughs> like you're talking business, we're not talking business. So, you know, we're not talking about business, we're not talking about marriage. So this is new for me. So <laughs> we'll be right back with more of today's episode of the Mahogany Moms Podcast. Let's take some time and think for a minute. What's going on? Are you a mom feeling overwhelmed, stressed by your day-to-day task? We have just the thing. Burps, Fibs, and Breakdowns is a journal with filling prompts, checklists to make sure mom is taking care of herself, and tips sprinkled throughout from other moms. This is the perfect journal for moms of one or moms of many. To order our journal today, go to MahoneyMomsPodcast.com or click on the link in the show notes. Now let's dive back into the show. Let's take some time and think for a minute. What's going on? So, but I think that is, you know, because everybody, the way that you respond or the outcome of it can look very different for everyone. Yes. And so the beauty in that is that because you've had a miscarriage does not mean that it will be this lifelong um heaviness that you have to carry with you you can right. release from it um that's right and so there there is power in that yes um so let me ask you tell me about some of the highs of motherhood the highs the highs mm-hmm. so i love being a mom it's so cool to see how these little ones that eventually become big ones are designed you know, with such an interesting mix of genes between parents and grandparents and, you know, and just being able to have the awesome responsibility to steward, you know, these kids and for them to be able to walk out the purposes and plans of God for their life. The fact that that God had a dream for them before I ever had a thought about them. And then I get the honor of being able to steward that in them. I take that really seriously. And I think it's a, a, a wonderful privilege to do that. And I love spending, you know, I love spending time with my kids. They're, they're hilarious. You know, I love spending time with them. And, and even the challenge, even the challenging aspects of motherhood I have found have sharpened me as an individual, to be honest. I think some of the lessons that I even learn in parenting have helped me in other aspects of my life and how I deal with other people. There's a lot of people who are adults, but they actually act like children. And I think parenting, (laughs) parenting actual children has helped me to understand those who are emotionally really immature, like my children, right? So that's been helpful too. But I just, I just really love that 
I, to me, that's like an honor to be able to do that. And so I'm constantly like, God, just help, help me to be a, a good steward of, of these gifts that you've given me and help me to help and cultivate the gifts you've placed on the inside of them, right? And so I'd say those are, those are some of the highs. I assume you're going to ask me about some of the lows. <laughs> there are lows <laughs> or challenges or some of the challenges. Well, yeah. So there are some real challenges. Like I, I recently <laughs> experienced a real challenge in parenting through this whole virtual schooling situation yeah. and the pandemic. You know, I happen to have a child who's very social and also very independent and normally a really great student who was really struggling in virtual school, but is so independent and honestly to a fault, to the point of prideful, mm. was not allowing, not even letting on that she needed help or, you know, it, it got to the point of like lying to avoid getting help, right? And then that puts you in a position where you gonna fail. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so, and you're a straight A kid, you know? And so I've had some I've had some real challenges dealing with personality clashes. Like sometimes you've got a child who's like, they're like you, but it's like an exponential version of you. Yes. And so it's kind of like, okay, how do I harness some of that? Cause that's like, that's a personality trait of mine to a fault. So how do we, how do we navigate? How do we navigate that? Help you to mature in that, you know, I'm not trying to crush your spirit or crush the way God's designed you, but how do we just like, that's a challenge. And with some of my kids, those things are more challenging than with other kids. Yes. Also challenging about parenting is you can never think you've made it. Just because you've raised one child doesn't mean you know jack squat when you get the next child. Because yes. every child is their own unique person. So I, like someone asked me the other day, they're always like, oh, they're always, people give us compliments about our parenting all the time. I'm like, you don't get it. I'm not writing no kind of, don't ask me to write a parenting book. I'm not writing any book on parenting. I may write a book on kingdom parenting after Malia, the baby <laughs> is about 21 years old. Maybe then I'll write a book about kingdom parenting, but it's just like, it's, I'm learning new lessons with every child. I never can think that I've got this parenting thing down. I'm constantly challenged in a new way. And so you know, that's, that is the challenge is that there are new challenges to, to learn and to work through with each of your children, because they are very different. Yes. That's probably been my biggest challenge in parent and, and being a mom. I'm glad that you said that because so often, oftentimes moms think, especially like, Oh, I got this down. Like I had one, um, the second one, oh, you know, I got it down. And then they start hitting these snags. Like, they, they're not responding the same way the first no. time to, to this. No, like you disciplined one one way yes. and then the second one's like, I don't care about that. <laughs> that doesn't even phase me, <laughs> you know? Like nothing nothing was the same. And I'm like, these are the same. I'm like, they came from the same man and woman yes. raised in the same house. And that's why I was like, people have these conversations, nature, nurture, whatever. I was just like, listen, the same <laughs> The children came from the same loins, <laughs> the same, like <laughs> raised in the same house. Now they did have a different parent because we grew. So we were more mature with each child, right. but fundamentally, you know, it's like, but it doesn't matter. They're all so unique. Yes. That's the biggest challenge. With my own parenting, like my two kids are 
are polar opposites and they're the same sex. They're not that far apart in age, but their personalities are so different that it's yes really come on (laughs) right it's like yep that's not going to work with this one Mm -hmm. that's just like just like I talk about in business about being led and empowered by the Holy Spirit oh my gosh same thing applies for parenting like I need the Holy Spirit stop playing (laughs) like I I need insight into how to do I need strategy for Mm -hmm. this specific child I need strategy for this specific situation with this specific child like no I don't know how people parent without God I don't either because I had some moments today where I was like, I need a minute. I need a minute. <laughs> let me let me go talk to the Holy Spirit. I need a minute. Yes, yes. But it's like, but the good far, the the, the goodness far outweighs the challenges, you know. But there are absolutely challenges. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so what do you wish you knew about motherhood before becoming a mom? Ew. <laughs> I wish. That, that challenge that I mentioned, mm-hmm. I wish that I knew ahead of time that my little lessons that I was learning about motherhood could not be equally applied or properly applied to every child. I wish that I was mentally, I wish I was prepared for that because that was a rude, it was a very rude awakening for me to find that out. Remember, I've got these big gaps between my kids. Mm-hmm. The first two, seven-year gap. Second, the second crew, nine-year gap. So I was a whole nother decade every time. I'm like a whole nother decade every time I had kids, right? Yeah, you had and like only children, really. You had like- I had a child in the 20s, I had a child in the 30s, and I had a child right after my 40th birthday. Yeah, so they were almost, you know, they say once they have such a, a big age gap, they are really like only children, like- my sister and I have an eight-year age gap and they really are like, well, y'all are really only children because when I was eight, she was 16 and yeah. didn't really leave, so. Yeah, yeah, it's true. They they interact really well together, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, but they're living completely different lives, you know, in terms of kind of what their focus is and, you know, what they're doing. I didn't mention this. This is a unique challenge to people who are parents to far spaced apart kids that I have, which I was also not prepared for, but I still wouldn't have changed it. And that is because they're so far apart, when you're trying to find family things to do, when you're trying to just do certain things, it's actually really complicated because everybody's interests are different. Their abilities to do certain things are different. And so you really do have to focus, spend some time focusing on on making sure you're nurturing each child individually while finding the best possible scenarios you can for you know, cultivating family dynamics and, you know, activities and stuff for everybody. That challenge was a little bit more significant than I, 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 I knew kind of going into it. I wish I had some techniques and strategies on kind of how to navigate that before I hit it. But even still, I wouldn't have had it. I wouldn't have had it any other way. I wouldn't have chosen to have kids a year apart or even two years apart. So, I mean, they're further apart than I would have had, <laughs> but, but I wouldn't have had them close together either. Because that presents its own set of challenges. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have wanted two that are that I wouldn't want two that were both in diapers at the same time. That was kind of my thing. That was like my parenting philosophy with when I wanted to have kids. I was like, no, I need to have the first one potty trained before I have a second child. <laughs> that makes sense. I, they were more than potty trained. They could Yeah, you know, they were like independent. They could build they could build potties, repair potties. <laughs> like <laughs> so, you mentioned that what how when you talk about family activities, because there are gaps, what kind of activities do you all do as a family? 
Yeah, well, usually what happens is we end up having to do something that somebody doesn't enjoy. So, for example, if we're watching movies, you better believe that Malia, the baby, is just roaming around, running around, doing her own thing. She's not going to sit there. She doesn't care. You know, every once in a while, you got to get up and go chase her, you know, whatever. If we go to, sometimes I'll go to a place that's one of those kids, not in the midst of COVID, but go to one of those kid-friendly places, the video game places or those types of places. All the kids like that, but... There's certain activities that are only for certain ages. So a lot of times they kind of have to separate, but what they'll usually do is they'll spend time with the baby in her section and then they'll, they'll just kind of do that, right? But sometimes we have to split up as a family, but I was like, I just try to encourage the girls to do things together as much as possible. And they tend to enjoy, especially with the baby, they, you know, they enjoy seeing her enjoy how to, you know, doing things, even if they're things that they're way too old to do, you know? So that's kind of what happens. We do the same, I guess you would say similar types of activities. It just means that they all can't really do them at the same time and in the same way. I think that's good that you shared that because there are parents either getting ready to experience that or even in the midst of it, and they're still trying to figure out how to navigate it. So yeah, you just got to be okay with the fact that not everyone's going to want to do everything because they're just not, it's just, Mm -hmm. there's just no way around it. And there's just certain activities that your older ones are going to really want to do and they have the ability to do and the other ones is just and your younger ones just can't so you go and you do it anyway and you let the older ones do it and you just keep the baby with you and entertain them with with you know whatever toys and whatever while the older ones get to do what they want to do right so it's it's definitely a balance but you know it can be done it's just you just have to realize that that's just the reality of the situation is that it's very hard to find something that all of them are going to like doing and are able to do at the same time. Yeah. And I, and until you said that, I don't think I ever thought about that because I'm like, even growing up, I don't remember my sister being at a lot of activities <laughs> unless it was same, like, same family, here. you know, like family gatherings. But like when I did stuff, I don't think she was with us because she didn't want to, she didn't want to do it. So that's the same thing with me. And we're only three years apart. And, okay. but I, my memories with my sisters are, I mean, all of us kind of just lived our own lives and we were three years apart. So my middle would say the same thing about my oldest sister. I say the same thing about both of them. You know, the oldest one being seven apart, seven years apart for me. We never, I mean, we didn't start to even communicate really until I was a college student, <laughs> you know, but, but, in a, but in my household, I think we've done enough to kind of cultivate part of its personality. Right. But mm-hmm. also just to kind of cultivate, just honoring one another in the space that they're in and just kind of doing our best to enjoy each other as family. We also do things like Sunday a month, we'll do family church, right? And so, and I'll have the kids be in charge of picking a particular topic. We'll kind of rotate or whatever so that it's so that it's age friendly, you know, in, in, in each kind of dynamic. But of course the baby's running around doing her thing, not paying any attention. Oh, well, right? So it just is what it is. <laughs> but if we didn't do things, if we only were willing to do things that everybody could do equally same capability and same interest, we literally would do nothing as a family. Right, good point. So you figure out a way so that you all can all do things so you can cultivate that kind of family. That's right. Um, together. And do some one-on-one stuff with each with, with each kid too so that they can yeah. do, you know, they can fully enjoy with the parent, you know, the thing that's right in their lane. So let me ask you, is parenting different as an African-American mom to African-American girls? Different from? Different, well, you might not have this experience, but do you feel like you, okay, let me ask this question. Do you feel like you mother- I'm like, I've only been an African-American mom to to (laughs) African-American daughter, so that's the only, I only know black mama to black kids. (laughs) Do you feel like you have to mother differently? 
Do you feel like you have to have different conversations with them? Um, occasionally I feel that way, especially as they get, you know, as they get older, but what my approach with my kids has typically been now, if I had a boy, if I had a son, this would be different. I'm just telling you how I'm dealing with my daughters, but there's conversations that I just don't bother to have until it's time to have them. If there's something that they experience that what I don't want to do, and this, my mother did this with me. I didn't know it was intentional, but she, she never wanted to create anxiety around certain things or create a mindset around certain things or an expectation for me to expect to be treated a particular way or whatever, and have me carry that like paranoia or thought or whatever ahead of time. So what she would do is when I experienced something, she would help walk me through it. And I've taken that same approach with my girls. I don't set them up with an expectation to be treated differently or, you know, whatever, whatever. But if we see something that happens or there's something that they experience, then let's talk through it. Let's talk about the realities of kind of what's going on or, you know, whatever. I remember when I was college grad and my dad was like, I was going to my corporate job, you know, I, I worked at IBM. And when I was get, taking my, I stopped relaxing my hair and I was getting braids. And my dad was like, what are you doing? Like my parents were like, what are you doing? You can't wear your hair like that in a corporate environment. Like they're gonna, they're, that's not, that's not a good idea. And I was like, no dad, like, you know, that's not the way the environment is, you know, whatever, whatever. So they, they approached it because they were like, you're about to go do this. And we just want to let you know, we don't necessarily think that that's a great idea. I did it anyway, because they didn't understand the dynamics were different, you know, whatever. And I did it. So it was always like on a need to know basis. It was never a, a set of an expectation, if that makes any sense. I think that's really good. I mean, I think that's a good way to handle things because a lot of times you do inadvertently create anxiety, Paranoia. <laughs> Paranoia. Right. <laughs> because you're talking to them about scenarios that they haven't experienced. Now, for me, I have sons. So my experience is, is, uh, is, is different. It just has to be. Yes. Um, if, I if I had a son, I would be telling my son, if you get stopped by the police, this <laughs> is what you need to do. I, don't, I haven't had that conversation with my daughters. Now, some people say, well, maybe you should or whatever, but I have not had that conversation with my daughters. But because of what happens in the world, they have, they have already created some thoughts around that or some things that we end up discussing. But I didn't feel the need to have that upfront conversation with them at the same urgency that I would have if I was the mother of a son. I, right. I, that would be, to me, would be a super high priority for me to make sure that my son knows how to navigate those situations. Okay. So that's good. And gender does change things somewhat and, and it affects how you parent to some degree. I don't have girls, so I don't have any knowledge of what it's like to parent. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know what it's like as a child or, yeah. you know, things, you know, how I experienced things as a child, but not as a parent. So yes are different. Is there anything that we haven't discussed or anything, any kind of advice that you would want to leave with moms that we haven't touched on? You know, I, just like I talk about in every book I write to business owners, kingdom business owners, trying to parent in your own strength, trying to figure things out on your own all the time and feel like, you know, I've got to have all the answers or whatever to me as a super high stress detrimental way of approaching parenting. Mm -hmm. I really truly believe that parenting, it's darn near effective parenting. It's 
darn near impossible and extraordinarily stressful if you don't lean into God. If you're not seeking God for strategy, if you're not, if you're not praying over these kids, praying over yourself, (laughs) you know, getting wisdom from God concerning the dynamics in your household and each kid and all of these things, I can't imagine even trying to do that in my own strength based off of the books that I read. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't imagine. I got to tell you, none of my none of my parenting scenarios have looked like some of the parenting books that I've read. They, it hasn't looked the same. Or maybe something I read was a super help. I used to be all into self-development and personal development books. Some of that stuff is, some of this stuff is good, but some of this stuff has nothing to do with me. <laughs> some of this stuff has nothing to do with my kids, you know? So to lean in, leaning into God is the most, the best possible thing you can do as a parent to really just for it to be an enjoyable experience for it to be an effective and productive experience as a parent yes uh, i can't even emphasize it enough yeah i had a colleague tell me this was before i had kids she said it's real easy to be a parent she said but it's hard to be a good parent right because you yeah. have intentional you have to you know think about the outcomes before you even get there, you know, yes. how you have to turn out, but you have to start early. Yes. Um, and so, you know, in, in that preparation, you don't know what's happening. So I definitely agree that you've definitely, you know, God has definitely had to be involved in all of yeah. that. And your kids are so different. So yes, yes, I don't know that's right. Way. That's right. I also, I'm, I'm feeling like I should say this too. This might bother some people, but I, it's bugging me. So I, I think I need to say it. I want to circle back to a comment that I made about about if I had a son in this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's also important to be led by God and how you have that conversation, even with your son. Mm -hmm. So for example, I wouldn't assume that the way I should approach the conversation is, oh, talk about all these like police brutality scenarios or whatever. And so because of that, this is why you need to do whatever. Because again, depending on my kid's bent, depending on what's going on, I could be creating anxiety in him instead of saying something helpful. Now, some kids may be like, well, they have got a gazillion questions. They're already seeing those things. So they, they, you're already to make, able to make some connections for them. But depending on your kid, I would still be seeing God in terms of the approach of having what I consider to be a crucial conversation with my son. I would tend, unless the Lord led me differently, to have a conversation that didn't ha- that wasn't focused so much on race, but was just literally focused in on this is the proper way to respond when you're, if you're ever stopped by a police officer and just focus on that now, but, but if they got to a certain age or there's something, something going on in the world, I need to deal with that. Or the Lord's compelling me to talk a different way about it. That's what I'm going to do. So I just want to share that because I think that sometimes we assume that conversations need to happen a certain way when God himself is the one who gives you wisdom and insight on how to have what I consider to be crucial conversations with our kids, because you can inadvertently with the wrong child, create so much stress and anxiety that was completely unnecessary. It's the same thing with talking to your kids about sex too. Like the way you approach it, how you do it, the timing and the way you have that conversation. I'm like, God help me and how to do this with each kid differently. And he has led me differently in those conversations. So I don't make assumptions. Right. I just felt like I need to say that. No, and I and I think you're you're accurate in even um because even with I mean my son my sons are still young but the way that they are designed one of them had, if I told him so much stuff he would get 
anxious and right. that would be on the forefront of his mind all the time. Now, my younger son is a little bit more perceptive about things that are happening. Yes. So catching things as they're coming. So if I right. have that, his, the way he internalizes it is going to be different. So yes. I, you are definitely correct in that, in that you have to be mindful of the kids that you have and include, you know, God in those crucial, crucial conversations, yeah. because it's, it's important that you be led by him on yeah. when and, and what to say. Yes. So and how to say it. <laughs> yeah. I just, it was bugging me. I was like, I gotta, I gotta circle back to that. And you gave a really great practical example with your sons. And so that's great that you're able to do that and bring life to just what's a hypothetical scenario for me <laughs> with all my girls. So any imparting words and tell us where we can, where uh, listeners can find you. Sure. So best place to find me. Well, there's two places you can find me. You can find me at shaybines.com. That's S-H-A-E-B-Y-N-E-S.com. Or you can go to, if you're a business owner, you might want to head over to kingdomdrivenentrepreneur.com. Thank you so much. These are some, some nuggets that we are going to read. I don't use Twitter, but retweet or rehash or whatever you would say. Um, yes. I think that um, what you've shared has been definitely things that parents can use and keep in the forefront of their minds. And so I thank you for being on the podcast and look forward to having you come back. All right. Well, I had a, I had an enjoyable time. So thanks for having me, Rochelle. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Mahogany Moms podcast with me. If you like the podcast, please show your support by sharing it and leaving a review. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to mahoganymomspodcast.com. Until next time.